Joel Edley has uh, has shagged himself out of contention. This is not a dream job. This is reality. I am an actor. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. The Premier League is a fraud. Yeah, Nobby Styles. He was football's equivalent to Popeye. Weedy-looking man with glasses and no teeth. And when he walked on that football field, you'd think it was Goliath. It frustrates me. I mean, Martinez lose all. The- I mean, it's like Men in Black is. Have you ever seen the film Men in Black? Coyote Ben Affleck, Kebab. Ferret head. Very much looks like a ferret, doesn't it? Hello and welcome to the Balls.e football show. That's our football show here on Balls.e, brought to you in association with Ladbrokes. Uh, we usually barrage you at this point with friendly pleas to subscribe to the Balls.e football show on iTunes, Stitcher and so on. But this week we've got two little extra incentives, I guess, for you. The first is that our new episode of Friends in Football is out and features Keith Andrews giving an extremely honest take on the debacle that was Ireland's Euro 2012. Some really insightful stuff there from one of the most no-nonsense pundits in the game. The second and more important, uh, no offence to Keith, is that we're giving away two tickets to Ireland versus Wales this Friday. And all you have to do to enter is subscribe to and leave a rating for Balls of Lee Football Podcast on iTunes or whichever podcast provider you use. Just take a screenshot of it and send us on to uh, send it on to us, even on social media. Or if you'd rather email it, uh, email it us, <laughs> email it to us at the gaffer at Balls of That is the gaffer at Balls Coming up later in the show, Mikey caught up with David Myler recently. Uh, also be sure to keep an eye out for the video of the former Irish FIFA champion att- attempting to quell the extraordinary rise of Myler through FIFA's off-my-line off rankings. <laughs> FIFA rankings, that is. We've also got our Ladbrokes Bet of the Week, and John Harton joined us for Ireland versus Wales chat. But right now, Gav Cooney's in the building uh, to look ahead to Friday. Tomorrow. Hey Gav, good to see you again. Thanks very much, Gav. Um, um, now that you're out of words over which you can stumble in your intro, I think yeah. we should explain to the listeners at home why you may be not slightly out of sorts today. Um, so I we understand you were away last week. You were doing some journalism in New York, to covering boxing, and a very, very good job you did of it. Um, oh, thank you. But the main missive that we received back here in Balls HQ uh, was a message from your mum that says, I "Heard you woke up in a porch." <sighs> See, what happens in New York ultimately comes back home and bites you in the hole, <laughs> I found. Um, what I don't want to be too self-indulgent here with a story about my working holiday. Okay. But basically what happened was I was with Joe O'Neill, who's the co-host of our boxing podcast of here. Of course. Uh, of IrishBoxing.com fame. We were at the Boxing Writers Association of America Awards Night, where Carl Frampton was being named Fighter of the Year for 2016. Okay. And uh, it was a heavy enough night. There, there may have, may have been uh, a couple of pints drank, okay. but actually we were in fine enough fettle. We, we were home by half five in the morning, the respectable era that that, that is. And uh, I was staying, we were both staying with my friends over in Astoria in Queens. And we found ourselves locked out of their house. We didn't have a key, so I rang all of them frantically. Now, I had like six mates upstairs. Okay. None of them. They were all in a coma. Like, they were on a, <laughs> a, a separately heavy night. So... We like we had no way in basically, right? Then we'd been outside in the f- it was icy cold in New York. Like this yeah, is that, a, it was a blizzard. Of some Stella's kind. grip on the city was okay. was really um, was really breaking our spirits. So eventually we were thinking, all right, we're gonna have to get a hotel. And then some guy comes up with a key to the front door, and we're like, oh my god, unbelievable! Can you help us in? And uh, he leaves us in, and he was actually dropping off a steaming uh, stack of freshly baked bread. 
Unbelievable. Uh, so we were like, oh, thanks, man. He left us in. And then we were like, do you have a key for the inside door? And he goes, no, no, sorry. <laughs> so we were so tired and I had so much work to do the next day that uh, we were like, all right, let's 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 go to sleep here in this porch next to the bread. Okay. The bread kept us so warm. It was so <laughs> toasty. And then about half an hour later, just as we were dozing off, the shop this owner... sounds like some kind of parable. Yeah, the, 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 the old woman that's lived in a shoe, the, the boxing journalist who lived in bread. The, the, the shop owner... Who from next door came along to collect the bread okay. and we were like please just leave us a loaf did he make it <laughs> he didn't make an inbred joke no uh, I should have I should have I should have done it right now <laughs> uh, I pretended I did but anyway he took the bread away from us which made the porch so much colder we fell asleep anyway and ultimately uh, my friends didn't rise again uh, until uh, hey, until later that morning but the their neighbour this is a sort of an apartment building their okay. neighbour came down opened the door that we couldn't get past and her reaction god bless she was just like oh my god oh my god what is going on and we were there like at the, the bottom of the porch I was like, oh sorry like we got locked out we're staying with friends upstairs and she was like oh my god i'm so sorry why, uh-huh. why didn't you call me and we were like We've never met you. Like this is our first time ever seeing you. How how would we have called you? They have been on an even longer bender. Mm. Like that they would have still been out, and that might have been their excuse for not answering their phones. But there they were, all of them asleep, <laughs> absolutely comatose. Um, so that was uh, in the in fairness, and I should try and protect my reputation here. I was okay. over there working. It wasn't a case of me passing out in a porch and just waking up thinking, "Where the hell am I?" It's yeah, that was that was the story. That out. was the vibe I was picking up. Yeah, on because this. my mom. I tweeted mm. it. I should probably shouldn't have tweeted it. <laughs> my mum then, uh, she's not even on Twitter, or at least she wasn't. Okay. And then I got a text off her saying, uh, you woke up on a porch? And uh, obviously one of the lads ratted me out, you know? Um, there you go. Uh, yeah. That was my really boring story. That's, yeah, no, that's great. I like, I mean, the New York, New York newspaper man, uh, hard drinking, hard hitting writing. How do you like your porch in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> you got half a box on. Porched eggs. Um, anyway, there's football to talk about. Oh, yeah, football. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Uh, well, we're going to lose to Wales, so how will we react we're gonna lose. when we lose? Don't say we're going to lose. I'm very concerned. Uh, so we have se- some serious injury problems, obviously. We're missing five of the team that started against Austria, including three of the back four. Um, that's the end of my research, done. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, so Wes is out. Uh, that's all creativity gone. Yes. Or most creativity gone. Uh, Robbie Brady, another bit of creativity. That's gone as well. Yeah. And then who else is missing? There's a couple of the back four missing. Off the top of my head, Kieran Clark's out. Shane Duffy's out. Yeah. James McCarthy is still... He'll probably he'll make play. it, but he's he'll not play. He's not that fit. You know? He's also not that good for Ireland. So... Uh, well, you know, the, the whole theory in, in the absence of Glenn Whelan is usually good, isn't that? That's yeah, the theory yeah, that yeah. when he was good against Germany, when Glenn Whelan wasn't there to to take up all the good unseen work that McCarthy will be doing, yeah, allegedly. I, still, uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm fairly sure that that theory has been disproved since. But I, I think people are overly harsh on James McCarthy. I, I, think do, people, I agree, like, I agree I but I also don't think he's... Uh, I think he's a very solid midfield player. I just don't think he's the kind of player that Ireland need to to grab a game with a scruff of the neck. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that McCarthy has been doomed by high expectations. I think see, the problem is he's he's a midfield sidekick. He is sort of the second fiddle to a more dominant midfielder. But the, 
But in Ireland's midfield, he's expected to be the dominant midfielder alongside yeah. Glenn Whelan, who's famously a sidekick to so many other midfielders. Mm. So it's, it just doesn't work. We've got our midfield is too passive. Yeah. But uh, look, that might Harry change. Harry Arter's out as well. Harry no, Arter would probably have started. Uh, David Miner, who you'll be hearing from later on, is must be with a good chance of playing. I think because he played so well in Austria when he came on for an injured Whelan. I th- I think Miner probably should start on Merrick. I like, think he should. Um, he is the kind of player that will that will throw a leg in and, and break up Wales counterattacks. Yeah. Uh, whether or not he can catch Mr. Bale is another. Wales, question. by the way, are pretty much at full strength. Gareth Bale's back. Aaron Ramsey's fit, but uh, Joel Edley has uh, has shagged himself out of contention <laughs> because. Nine months ago, nine months ago to this day, uh, Wales beat Russia 3-0 in uh, to progress from their group in the Euros. And all of a sudden, Joe Ledley's going to miss this game on to the birth of his child. Yeah, that was the first Euros baby. Yeah. Before, like, I mean, we, we had so much controversy with fans reaching out to <laughs> various Irishmen, <laughs> French women reaching out to Irishmen. Hey, have you seen... Uh, Jack there from Bally de Hob. Okay. I'd love to. I'd love to catch up with him. Oh, why, why would that be? But yeah, Joe Ledley actually birthed the fir- or is about to birth. Not he imp- himself. Not he personally. himself. No. Joe Ledley's partner or wife or girlfriend or mistress. Wife. They got married just after the earth. Oh great. Yeah, I was doing some g- some decent Joe Ledley research today. Ah, well, I'm happy for Joe. Yeah. I'm so he's gonna Joe. miss. Uh, Chris Coleman is back in uh, quite aptly the land of his father. Uh, his dad was from the East Wall, and Coleman was talked uh, talked about. Uh, he scattered his ashes in the Liffey um, yeah. by the Brazen Head, and said, and apparently it's tradition now. It's tradition that I've never heard of before, and other people I've talked to have never heard before either. But you know, you can call it tradition where he'll go in, he'll buy a pint of Guinness, and then he'll kind of chuck it out with the ashes. Oh uh, well, that is. I mean, pouring one out for your homies. Is that... Is pour, that pour some out for one's homies. Oh, is it a thing? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I, I, Jesus, I've got some somber tales about it that I won't relay okay, on yeah. this podcast. But it, it is a thing. I first learned of it in Scrubs, actually. Okay. Um, but it is a thing. You you pour out a bit of your drink or your full drink for the fallen, basically. All right. And so. now, Chris Coleman said he paid eight euro for this point in the Brazen Out, which seems a bit pricey. Like, I mean, yeah. even in Tampa Bar, there aren't eight euro points. Oh, Jesus, there are. Are there? Yeah, oh, Jesus, there are, yeah. God, eight euro. I see. I'm still in New York mode where eight euro for a pint is actually decent. Is it? Yeah. The only Jimmy's Corner. If you're ever in New York, by the way, and you're listening to this, Jimmy's Look Corner, the boxing, the boxing. No, no, the boxing bar, at Jimmy's Corner, okay. three fifty points. That'd be cheap for here. Yeah, it would. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So apparently they're eight quid raise that. I'm, I'm, we, not, I'm not convinced by we're that. We're going to be coming back, uh, Gav, to preview the Wales game in a little bit more depth, or at least we hope to. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll you know make our predictions and whatnot. But I suppose we will listen to Dave Myler first. Yeah, uh, sure. He caught up with Mikey, or Mikey caught up with him. Um, they've been chasing each other a little bit. Because Mikey, as you know, and as our listeners might know, was a former professional FIFA player. David Myler now moonlights as a, as a professional FIFA player, along with being a Premier League player. Uh, I'm not sure how their FIFA match went, but they did sit down for a chat as well. The video of their match will be out shortly on our Facebook page and on Myler's social channels also. But here is Mikey's chat with David Myler. So David Myler, thanks very much for taking some time out to talk to the Balls at the Football Show. We've just had two intense, close games of FIFA where you've, uh, you've come out on top. How do you feel straight away after that post-match interview style? But it's always nice to be one of the best FIFA players in Ireland. Um, as you rightly told me, it's always nice to be called that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you did compete in the FIFA Interactive World Cup, so I knew I was in for a couple of games, but I felt I felt okay. You had the Gareth Bale free kick in one of the games, yeah. but I felt comfortable. It's like it's absolutely like you're 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 really good at FIFA, and like we've known this now because you're streaming and you're on YouTube as well, and you put your games out there. But what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to talk about you're starting off in gaming. 
because you don't see a lot of mixing between professional athletes and gaming. Some people would say, you know, you have to obviously, if you're so devoted to your sport that you're going to become professional and you don't have time for games. What was the first FIFA you really got into, or is the well, recent FIFA? If you one? say, if you say, when was the first FIFA I really got into? It would be FIFA 17. Okay. Um, but I probably played FIFA back to the FIFA 98 World Cup. Yeah, what um, a game that was. It was brilliant. <laughs> and I remember, um, I think it would have been FIFA 2000, would have been around the time the PlayStation 2 came yeah. out. And I was fortunate enough that my mum got me one for Christmas. Um, so that's when I kind of like to start playing FIFA, but like most people do, I started playing with me pals and it was just a competition who could win. Yeah. I never played Ultimate Team or might play the on, all, um, online seasons or whatever, but this one I've just kind of got involved. I did start on PlayStation, um, probably back in September, and then I switched over to Xbox for because the of for the Legends. Yeah. I'm a big fan of some of the Legends. Like I've got, well, I've got Vieira, Hullet, Rio, and Best in my team. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, not bad. Um, and I just, I've been watching your streams, and in, in one of them, I, I caught you saying that you feel. I think you were playing against a professional gamer, and you said that you feel more nervous before a game of FIFA than you do before an actual match. Yeah, at times you, you kind of get butterflies because you never know how a game of FIFA is going to go. <laughs> that's the way. Like, I suppose it's the same in real life. Yeah, that's what I because that's what I'd say. Like, I yeah. would feel nervous if I'm at home playing on my record, but like I haven't played in front of seventy thousand fans. On well, ninety ninety one is the most I played in wow. front of. Okay, um, the FA Cup final. But I suppose I look at football as a, as a profession and as a job, and you have to be professional at all times. So we pre were prepared for that. Maybe when you go back to when I first started playing, when I made my debut for Sunderland or my first game for Ireland, you kind of do have nerves and you have butterflies. But with FIFA, it's a little bit different. Like you just, I could play you 10 games and you could get luck. I might just feel that I can't score. Yeah. Um, but when you're playing, when I'm playing or if I'm streaming against one of the best FIFA players in the world at the top 10, you just don't want to get embarrassed in front yeah, of people. So absolutely. That's Honestly, that's how I felt uh, playing against you earlier on, just because I haven't uh, haven't been playing FIFA seriously in a while. But you've you've built up straight like you, what are you at now? You've got a hundred thousand subscribers on, on YouTube. You built up community really fast. One hundred and seven. That's it. Uh, oh, there you go. Live <laughs> live updates. Granted, that comes a bit easier when you're a professional footballer and you've got that kind of draw to you. But what I've noticed as well is you get stick like everybody does on uh, on social media. But you've kind of got this now community that's loving your videos, that's sharing it. Every time you score a goal, Twitter erupts with FIFA fans going on, double tap cross and all this. What's it feel like to have that kind of connection to Because it's not just, obviously the whole fans are going to be delighted to be getting so much access to a whole player, but you've got Arsenal fans, you've got Liverpool fans, you've got Chelsea fans, you've got United fans, all of them in there supporting the stream. That must be a pretty cool feeling. It, it is different. I did, how I kind of got into it was, um, I used to play FIFA with my pals, like I said before, and it came to the stage where the games would be tight, we'd probably play best of five, and I'd beat one of my pals, Kellogg's 3-2, or he beat me 3-2. And then I kind of got to the stage, well, I want to make this where it's 5-0. I just want to be wiping the floor with him. Yeah. And now I'm at the stage where I do play that much FIFA, I wipe the floor with all my pals, and I quite enjoy it. Because <laughs> I've, been, I've been brought up to, you know, winnings, everything. Yeah, competitive. Yeah, so like it was always, I used to play pool with my dad when I was younger, and my dad would never ever leave me win. He would hammer me and hammer me and hammer me and he kind of took pride out of winning and it kind of gets installed in me and that's why I got, I got into it and then I found myself getting good. Well, I say good because FIFA is one of those games where everyone thinks they're brilliant. Absolutely. But like we, we spoke a while ago about when you played in the FIFA Interactive World Cup or whatever and then I played against like 
prime example if, if most people are aware of how FIFA's gone there's a hashtag Taz who's a professional FIFA player for hashtag United yeah. he won the regionals in Paris and he's gone to the FIFA inter interactive World Cup but I played him and then you realise how good somebody actually is at FIFA and like I realised then I'm just probably above average Yeah, and people give me all sorts and oh you're well your team's this or whatever but you see those fellas play with bronze players yeah. and they still get 38 39 wins which That's is crazy. remarkable my highest ever is 36 i'm trying to bridge the gap to 40 just so i can impressive numbers absolutely you've, you've mentioned a few names there do you when, when you were getting started on youtube who i'm gonna ask straight away have you got a favorite favorite youtuber that you enjoy watching um there, there there's a few i do watch um like I watch Nepenthes, I watch Bateson, uh, Castro, but Castro's more of a live streamer. Yeah, the Twitch um, as well. Yeah. yeah um, I'm just trying to think now. Who else? Um, there's a lad from America, Dirty Mike's his name. I know. Um, I, I used to play in the, in the FIFA Rugby World Cup with him. Shout out to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> he's another one. He does a lot more like tutorials and whatever. Yeah. Because. I kind of got to the stage where I had no skill moves, and people were saying, "Oh, you need to learn the Burba spin or the Mahidi turn." So I've tried to like bring them into my game, but that's how you start. You start watching them, and then you start practicing. But I never, I never. The idea was I was just, I was just playing it. And then somebody said, "Well, why don't you stream it, or why don't you make YouTube?" But like as you can see with my YouTube videos, the quality is not the best. There's always I get a lot of stick over the the mouse click and the yes lads. And uh, there's an endearing quality to it, though. But, but <laughs> that's the funny thing, as you said, because nobody, nobody wants to be the same as anyone else. Yeah. Now my my start has been the most most click yes lads and it's it's grown <laughs> you know so I can't change it now. No, you're you're locked in. You see some of their videos, the quality they make is is ridiculous. Yeah. But and they've even some of them have even teams like doing that stuff for them and they'll just yeah, well, it's, it's crazy. I've had I've had offers of people to like edit my videos, mm. do all that stuff. But I just think the joy of me doing it is uh, I did start it to raise money for charity, which I did. Um, I raised two and a half thousand for breast cancer because like if most people are aware, my mother had breast cancer a few years ago. So um, we had some people come into Hull and I donated a cheque and it was brilliant and that was the idea I got into it and obviously the old FIFA's taken off so I just keep going with it. Yeah and we're loving the series in the office that you're doing with Ireland and trying to win Division 1 with Ireland. There's always selections and we, we came up in this when we were doing the video earlier, there's always selection dilemmas. How do you, first of all, how do your teammates view your kind of hobby with the streaming and, and the YouTube and, uh, and do they watch the videos? Do they give you any some, feedback on them? Yeah, some do. Some do watch the videos. They've come across them. I remember one night it was actually quite funny because I was streaming on Twitch and I tweeted about it and Seamus Coleman messaged me going, I'm watching your stream. He was with his wife Rachel at right. the time and he was watching it and he was laughing. And he was, yeah. <laughs> so I gave him a shout out. And <laughs> so people do come across it. Um, I did get some stick at the start off the Hull lads. Um, obviously, I hadn't really started. The last campaign would have been November. So... Okay. It's kind of grown over the last three months, but a few of the lads were asking about it. But I've raised money for charity, so they kind of say, like, well, fair play to yeah. them. And lucky enough, my future wife goes to bed quite early, so I have open hours, to kill. open hours to play. And what about your upcoming opponents? Is there ever, like, kind of, do you use Ultimate Team to kind of check out guys? Or do you recognise when you're playing on a pitch, you'd recognise somebody from Ultimate Team and be like, oh, you haven't got that 90 pace that your card has? Do you know what? I've been asked that quite a few times. Do I compare FIFA? Yeah. I don't. Because I can give you a prime example. Hazard in the game, he's got a couple of informs, a striker inform, he's got like 93 pace, whatever. The Hazard you're playing with and the Hazard in real life, the Hazard in real life is 10 times better. Yeah. And he's unpredictable, he can do anything. Whereas in FIFA, you're limited to what and you, you can do. You know I'm going to cut back. 
and you know I'm going to do a skill. Whereas, Whereas Hazard could do anything. Yeah. A player of his calibre can just do anything at any time. So, like, a prime example, a lot of people hate playing against Kante in the game. Yeah. Kante's ten times worse on a pitch because he's just <laughs> everywhere. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. He's just, he's, he is brilliant. But, like, it's worse than, like, how he gets around the pitch and he's winning the ball back. And I just want to ask you, obviously, a bit, a bit about football. We've the Wales game in the near future that everybody's looking forward to. But I want to look back at the Austria game, which is the last qualifier, because you had a, an outstanding performance in that game and coming off the bench as well. We've talked about the pressures of FIFA, but in terms of the pressure of actual football, how different is it when you have to come off the bench, and especially when a game is as tight as that was, because obviously it was nil-nil when you came on. How does that affect you when you're coming into the game? You've got to... When you go is it easier coming on early when you don't know? Like you're, you literally just have to warm up and you don't think about it. I, I, I think regardless, the whole the whole idea of subs is to make an impact. You have to come on and change the game. Whether you're winning, you're drawing to co- maybe create chances or you know defend or if you're if you're losing, to, you need to come on and change the game. You need to impact it. Obviously, it was a big loss to lose Glenn because Glenn is a yeah. very experienced player and he's a good player. And it was, but. I have to look at it as an opportunity for me to push myself forward into the 11. And when you get an opportunity like that, I think I came on after what, 15, 20 minutes. So you're thinking, I'm here for the next 70 minutes. I've got to make an impression. And then obviously it was just after turn, turn and a half time we scored. And you're like, we're in the game now. We're ahead. We've got to fight. And, you know, obviously McLean's goal was brilliant, you know, from the, from the pass from Wes and James. Yeah. Not sure he knew much about the finish, but just put the foot through it. And yeah, he just rest. he just said, you know what, I'll lash it, hit the target. That's and it. In. But when you're ahead, and obviously we had the success, you know, in qualifying for France, and then France was superb. And do you mean that you you seen what it did to the whole country, and it was it was a great thing to be a part of. But we want to achieve that again. We want to go to Russia. That's why the manager is here because. He's a great track record, but he's a ex- successful manager and he wants to get us there. I'll ask you about, um, about Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane in a bit, but you touched on it there, the, the reaction from the country, the positive result in, in Austria, everybody's buzzing. I have to ask you about the Euros because it must have been so special to be a part of a group that achieved, that, that really did the squad justice at the tournament. You know, Euro 2012, it was great fun. But there was always that, you know, what happened on the pitch, there was a bit of disappointment. So it must have been a great feeling to be involved in a, in a team that went and did something and gave the people something to shout about back home. Yeah, well, if you look at the last Euros, the lads went to, obviously I wasn't a part of that, but, you know, they did have Spain, Italy, Croatia in yeah. the group, which are three top nations with very good players. You know, and you look, Spain and Italy were in the final. So they had a tough group. No, I'm not saying our group was easy. Like we did, you know, obviously have Italy, Sweden and Belgium. But... We just, I think it started out when, you know, you look at the game against Germany away for John to score in the last few minutes to like, there was just a lift and then obviously we had the disappointment of the loss to Scotland. Yeah. But we always believed that we would, we would get a chance. And then beating Germany at home at the Aviva when Lange, Lange scored, which was like, I think it was a roller coaster, but you know, the lads deserved it. Yeah. For the performances, you know, at home and away. And then obviously the Serbia game, you look at Robbie's goal. Oh, not Serbia, sorry, Bosnia. I'm oh, getting yeah. the games mixed up. Bosnia away in the, the playoff. And then to come home, and you know, you, you know you're, you're nearly there, but the character of everyone was unbelievable from the start to the finish. And, you know, it's probably the World Cup qualifying group probably came at the right time because the buzz from the Euros and being there has made everyone hungry for more. And it's interesting because I think we've seen it with campaigns in the past. I think after the 2002 World Cup, there was kind of a, a low after the high, but this one 
it's as if we've taken the momentum. And how much of that is, de is that down to, to Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane keeping his focus? Yeah, well, you see, the two of them are winners. You know, like the manager's won two European Cups. He's been successful yeah. at every club. You know, obviously, Roy is, is remarked as the greatest Manchester United captain. Um, you look what he achieved at Man United with seven Premier Leagues. You know, they're winners. And they want to, they want to achieve, you know, the, everything. And you know, I think that's, that's rolled into this campaign. And, you know, they, they've set their stall high and they won't leave anyone drop below that. And I think that's, that's the way it should be. And, and I think that's why like, we, we've started this campaign well. And uh, you're a midfielder. You're from Cork. Roy Keane has to have played a huge, has to have <laughs> been a big influence on your career. Now to be working with them so closely, that's got to be pretty special. Yeah, well, it is. Um, you know, obviously, Roy signed me at Sunderland and gave me a great opportunity to play you know, for Sunderland, um, which is, yeah. like, look, I could sit here and talk about Roy all day because, you know, I grew up from Cork and obviously he was the greatest midfielder in the Premier League. Um, you know, he, he probably disagreed with that, yeah. but he was, and, you know, obviously any Cork kid, well, I, I, I say Cork kid, any Irish kid, Manchester United fan, you know, they're one of the biggest fan base all over the world. He yeah. was, <laughs> you know, he's, he was. He's the reason I follow Man United. Yeah, and he, he was, he was superb and... You know, I mean, even now to this day, considering I first met him probably nine years ago, he he's helping me now and he's trying to improve me. And you know, he wants he wants the best, and that's why he was so successful. You know, he won't settle for not trying your hardest. You know, we can all misplace passes, we can all miss tackles, but you can still go out and you can run around and you can work hard. And there are standards he sets, and you know. Whether he's a manager or an assistant manager, you have to you have to maintain those levels, and he wants us to succeed. I'm going to go back to Euro 2016 now because there was one moment in that Robbie Brady's goal against Italy. Can you give me your perspective on that, your view of it? Because we had Stephen Ward on the podcast, and he was the first one over because because Robbie Brady ran left, so Wardy was the first one over for the celebrations. What's your perspective on that, and what's going on? Because I was there in Lille that night, and that's probably. Probably the best moment of my life up in the stands, just the emotion of the entire moment. So what was it like to be right there? Well, if you remember previously, Wes has missed the chance. Yeah. So we're all left and blind to Wes, because usually Wes would score that nine times out of ten. Yeah. Um, he's picked the ball up, and that's the type of player Wes is. Wes has the creativity. Um, you've seen it numerous times for Ireland when, he, when he's playing. Wes sees things other players don't see. and You even look at where Robbie started his run from. Yeah. Whether or not he's trying to pick out Robbie, only Wes knows. But he's picked them out. And then when Robbie scored, it's just it's one of those moments where you know you, you can't you can't put words on it because it was it's an ecstatic feeling and you know, you know, it was late on we're thinking we're gonna beat the Italians and we're gonna get into the last sixteen and no better buckle than Robbie. But in terms of this this is another thing I wanted to ask you ever since I started watching you on, on YouTube and Twitch is you're comfortable in a camera, you're comfortable chatting to, to people, even when it's you know people having a bit of banter in the chat as well. D have you given any thought to maybe post career and the sort of punditry thing? I know some players even do it. You know, maybe they have a spell out injured, or when there's a there's some sort of fixture freedom, they get a chance to do punditry. Does that appeal to you at all? Because it's something we're seeing a lot more of these days. Yeah, well, we have quite a few at Hull do it, and you see like players doing it. But I try not to think about it too much uh, because. I'm 27. Do you know what I mean? I've, yeah. I'm hoping to play for another eight or nine years and just keep going as long as I can. So people look at it towards the end of their career. I've never 
never thought about it. Um, at the moment, I'll just stick to playing playing football and FIFA. Fair enough. Um, and I will start a few quick questions now on that on that theme. Who's the best pundit for you? Who, who's who's the pundit you like watching the most? Um, Do you see much of the RTE pundit, punditry, the coverage over in uh, over in England? No, unless it's the RTE player. Yeah. Let's give a go. Probably. The three I like the most will probably be Gary Neville, Carragher and Sunes. Okay. Um, Carragher and Neville has great knowledge yeah. and Graham Sunes is just a straight talker. Um, like, I think I'll go with Neville. Okay. Yeah, yeah we, we have a lot of love for Gary Neville on our side as well. Who is the best Irish player on Ultimate Team? McGeady. Who's the best player overall on Ultimate Team? Irish player? No, just it, like who, not including legends, who would you go to first if you were putting a weekend league side together? Ronaldo. Cristiano. Even though he's the second best player in the world. Oh, you're, you're firmly in the messy camp for that, is oh, Hands down. Okay. I'd okay. nearly start fighting over that. Who is the best FIFA legend in Ultimate Team? Rude Hullet. Just straight away? Straight no away. No Patrick Vieira, no? No, Pele. It's Rude Hullet. I've got Pele. Okay. Um, I can't even believe I'm going to say this because he's won the World Cup three times, one of the greatest <laughs> players ever played the game, but he's not, I'm not having him in FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Fair enough, maybe, maybe you need to bump up Pele's stats and make him more yeah, like the actual yeah. Pele. But, uh, and then the, here's one that I've, I, I tried to impose this any time I go over and play the early previews of the game. Who's the next Irish legend you want to see in Ultimate Team? Dennis Irwin, another cop. Love man. that shout, absolutely love that shout. I was thinking a Paul McGrath legend card would be great. But I tell you what, a dance, dance Paul, Paul, Paul McGrath is another show. But Liam Brady, maybe? You see, you can you can start then, and then you can start <laughs> going through everyone. <laughs> a whole team. But, you know, we've got Roy. Um, I think Dennis. Dennis would be great to see. I think we'd love yeah. to see that. And like all, like Car- all, all of his uh, stats just Jamie Carragher's got one. Gary Neville's got one. You know, I think Dennis Irwin should have one. Er, well, Irwin would be like a 75 and everything. He'd just be no, able to he should Irwin. be 80, 80 mid-80s and everything. Okay. Mr. Reliable. Absolutely. First name on Alex Ferguson's team sheet is what he's famously said. Before we let you go, I'll ask you what we ask every uh, professional footballer we have on the show is we're looking to get you to name, can you pick out the two players that you've played with in your career, whether it's in training or whether it's on a match day, that, that, have, that you would say are the best two players you've played with? Seamus Coleman, Jordan Henderson. Wow. You were, you, you, have you answered that before? That was a quick, no. was a quick response. <laughs> you Do you know what? I'm, are I'm, they that good? I'm close to the two of them, but yeah. it's not just it's not just training and games. It's there. It's everything. The two of them, even though it's quite funny because they moan about each other because they're Liverpool Everton. Okay. Um, and it's 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 embarrassing because I'm close to both of them, but I'm the middleman. Um, uh, but the two of them are so similar. It's frightening. Wow. Both family men. George got two kids. Seamus got one. Do you know what I mean? Both of them have gone out with their wives since they were nine, ten. Do you know what I mean? And they're just dedicated pros. Don't drink. Don't. They're just twenty-four-seven pros. And like, you look at the career they both had. You know, Seamus will probably go on to captain Everton. Like he's captain of Ireland now. Jordan is captain of Liverpool. Will probably go on to captain England next. Um, they're just both remarkable men, and they've they've set the standard so high that the rest of us are trying to catch them. That's a good answer. I think we're, what we're trying to do is, is rank all of them 
uh, at the end of the at the end of the, or in the summer and see where you stand. I think you're going to be pretty high up on that as well. But listen, thanks very much for uh, for having a chat with us. Best of luck in the uh, the rest of the campaign and the Wales game in particular that's approaching soon. Best of luck with the YouTube and the Twitch. We'll be watching going forward. And a huge thank you to everybody who's watching uh, the video and listening to podcasts from Mikey and David Myler here. We will catch you for the next one. Yes, lads. At Ladbrokes, if one team lets you down on your ACA of five teams or more, you'll get your money back as a free bet up to €25. Euro. Ladbrokes, online, mobile and in-shop. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. Dunlewy.net. Gav Cooney, Ladbrokes Bet of the Week. You're We're on duty. Three in a row. Unbelievable. Yeah, so you won it a couple of weeks ago and then you took off to New York and you left me in charge and I picked a score draw between City and Liverpool and oh by God, I'm having a 10-3. to three. And uh, that's the thing is like, we were saying earlier sort of, are we being a little bit too conservative with these bets? But as Make Our Editor pointed out, they're charity bets. Mm. Like, we're actually making money here for charity, so there's nothing wrong with being conservative. Ladbrokes are basically putting these bets on on our behalf, and uh, the money is going to charity. So, like, there's nothing wrong with a conservative bet, but this one. Yeah. This one is... But the thing is... See, I think this, this based is really on, good value. That's the thing. Based on our past, Ireland's past... This is a really, really good bet. It might strike as conservative, but then you see the odds. Yeah, Republic of Ireland to lead against Wales at halftime and for the game to end in a draw is 12-1, to 1, and that's where our money's going this week. That's huge. That, I mean, that's... Well, up to recently, that's been traditionally how Ireland have done things. They go one up against a, a decent footballing power and then they shit the bed and end mm-hmm. up one all. And, it, okay, it was two all in Serbia. But, you know, we've had a couple of... Like the 1-0 in Austria, 1-0 in, in, in Italy... Had a couple of decent one-nils. Germany, like it could happen, but I reckon it'll be a draw. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be along the same lines there. I just think we possibly will, due to the passion of the crowd, they'll, they'll sort of wheel us over the line there with a scrappy goal in the in the first half, and then we will, because of the this, the significance of the game, we'll try and soak Wales up, and we'll think we can yeah. because it's only Wales. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we'll be able to absorb this we'll pressure, no problem. But something will happen inevitably, especially when you look at. The uh, defenders are missing as well, so I'm, I think it will be one all. We'll get to that in a while. Uh, a reminder as well that Ladbrokes are offering in shops money back if Ireland and Wales draw on selected markets. So that's correct score, half time, full time, first goal score. So you can get involved with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still like that bet, Gavin. Yeah, absolutely. I might get on that myself, my own little charity. Yeah. Uh, now, you may have been listening in, there's plenty of other podcasts in this feed as well, along with this show. There's the Friends in Football, which Gavin Casey has been running, but that's his own little cottage industry uh, the Keith Andrews is up there and we've also been doing our FA Cup podcast and now I caught up with John Harton a couple of weeks ago uh, and we had a little bit of a chat about Ireland Wales as well uh, so let's hear how big John thinks it's going to go get double the odds on first goal scorer with Ladbrokes that's right if you're winning first goal scorer scores in the opening 20 minutes of selected live matches then Ladbrokes will double the odds available in Ladbrokes shops nationwide 18 plus terms and conditions apply dunlewy.net now you won't remember this, but um, I was in a like a grouped interview with a number of journalists with you in Tally. You were out with Air Sport. I think it must be maybe five or six months ago. Yes. Uh, you won't remember me because I was far too shy to ask questions. <laughs> um, but you you picked an Ireland Wales combined eleven, okay. and I think one Irish player made it. Right. I think it might have been Robbie Brady. Has that? Do you want to reconsider that, or is it still only one Irish player in that? In that combined Wales eleven? Well, I think that might have been on the back of the Euros. Yeah. Was it after the Euro- it, European I Championship? think it was sometime around yeah. October of last well, year. I think in the Euros, you look at it and Ireland won one game out of four. Yeah. That's what you won. Yeah. 
who beat Italy and made a lot of changes. Martin galvanised the crowd um, and the Irish fans had their day when he beat Italy. Um, one win in four. Wales got to the semi-final and they won four games in six. Yeah. And um, on the back of the, the Euros, I picked a team and I, I, I stand by it at that particular time. Yeah. Um, but you've made a great start to the World Cup qualifiers. Um, both teams unbeaten. Um, Republic of Ireland have picked up some fantastic results. Going to Austria and winning was a brilliant result for you. Uh, a team that have not lost there in over four years. We could only draw there. Took the lead twice. We, we were pegged back twice. We dropped some silly points. We won it up in the 93rd minute um, against Georgia. And we conceded last kick of the game. Mm. Um, we managed to beat, um, is it Moldova? Yeah. Managed to beat Moldova. So we're on six points, you're on ten. You've made a great start. And uh, it's a massive three points, I think. If you were to win it, then it'd be difficult for, for Wales to come back and, and top the group with uh, with a seven-point deficit. If you win it, you go to 13, we stay on six. Yeah. If we were to win it, we're, we're back in the race. Um, it's just that, I go back, um, just starting with Wales, this time, a couple of years ago, in the in the Euros qualifiers, we were taking the lead and seeing games out. We took four points off Belgium. We drew in Belgium. We beat them in Cardiff. And the difference is now we led twice in Austria and we're just not seeing the game out. Mm. Whereas two years ago, we were. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know what that is. Um, but we're unbeaten. Um, obviously, we'll we'll give the Republic a very good game. Um Difficult to s- probably say who's going to be favourites. Yeah. You know, if if Gareth Bale has just come back the weekend, he's came on, scored against Espanyol, he's he's pivotal for us. But you have some wonderful players. Brady, of course, is out. Yeah, uh, that's, so he's, see, that's he's a, a big, big loss for yeah. you. Um, I like I like uh, Shane Long. You know, he's a, he's, he's a big game player. He's always a threat. Uh, you've got some experience in the team, of course. And... Um, you know, it, it, I would probably make you favourites if I'm honest, because okay. you're you're at home. Okay. Um, in front of a. That's not some Welsh mind games going on well, here. Now, well, hold on a minute, you know. <laughs> but um, no, I think it's great, and you know the Irish they like a bit of banter, they, they like an opinion, and I send a little tweet out when it comes to the rugby, and it just my 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 phone just goes through the roof. <laughs> you know, they just <laughs> can't accept that it's a little bit of fun, you know. But um, no, I like it. I had great. I have a great welcome when I come over to Dublin, and I, I do a lot of work for Air Sport, and uh, I like Dublin as a city, and I spent lots of time mm. over there with my wife, and um, and obviously the affinity that Dublin has with Celtic and the Irish and everything else. I um, I always get a great welcome. I walk through the airport and all the stewards and the security guys are all saying welcome back, John. They're yeah. so used to seeing me now. Um, but no, it'll be a great night. Obviously, my allegiances will be firmly in, in, in the Welsh camp, of, yeah, course. of course. You wouldn't expect anything else. But as I said, it's it's going to be a huge game, a huge occasion. Martin O'Neill's teams are difficult to beat, as I know. I know that at first hand. And um, let's see who comes out on top. But it's vital that um, I think Wales don't get beat. Because mm. if we do, 
We can probably wave goodbye to Top Spot. Yeah. Are you going? Are you I'm there. On I'm working for duty, BBC Five Live. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've done all the Wales games for the radio. I could have done a bit of Sky, but uh, BBC asked me to, to do them all, and I've stuck with the BBC because I did it in, with the Euros. I like the radio, BBC Five Live. So I'll be there with my bobble hat on and um, <laughs> keeping myself nice and warm, and hopefully I'll be celebrating. John Harton there, Gav, again trying to portray Wales as the underdogs. And this is a constant thing here. He won't get away. It's not as bad as Patrick Clivert when Mikey caught up on him. It might have been last year when Clivert was saying, oh, no, I think Ireland are good. You've got Gareth Bale. You've got Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. And Mikey had to. Mikey said he did consider not pulling him up on it. Oh, but just yeah. for future reference for Patrick, said, listen, Patrick, um, they're Welsh lads. You know, we, we've got... Uh, We've got like uh, James McLean, um, <laughs> and Cliver was like, "Oh, oh, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah." He thought he thought Bale was Irish, so um, that's uh, Patrick oh, Cliver. So you Tra- can, you can become a quite a, you know you can call it respected football man with incredible lack of insight and knowledge. So I mean, he's got. He, he, I'm fairly sure Patrick Cliver loves Irish music and Irish culture as well. I'm fair, like jokes aside. I, I, rem- I remember exactly. I remember reading that his father named him Patrick due to that very fact. Um, really? Yeah, weirdly enough. Uh, so then he went stomping all o- all over Irish streams in 1996 or 95. Yeah, uh, I do want to go back to the portraying Wales as underdogs. Because yes, that's Ireland right. took us away from. No, that, that's quite all right. Uh, Ireland, there is definite movement by Wales to portray themselves as the underdog. This is the fact we, that they're coming to a half-fit Irish team, and Wales have one of them have a man who has been the most expensive footballer in the history of world football. Uh, And John Walters skewed this quite beautifully in the Sunday Times on Sunday. Uh, If you're unaware, uh, Wales made a movie called Don't Take Me Home about their odyssey to the semi-finals of Euro 2016. Uh, And speaking to Paul Rowan of the Sunday Times, John Walters said, uh, they got to the semis and made a film about it. Jesus, I don't think we'd be making a film. I haven't seen it and I won't be watching it either. It doesn't interest me one bit. Look, they did well. They've played the underdog card a bit. It's all talk about how a small team who've never done this or never done that, but they have very good players. Bale, Ramsey, that's two of you. Joe Allen. Uh, They have some very savvy players in the team and a lot of experience and they should be doing well, similar to us. All right, here's my one issue with that. Okay. We and absolutely would, would make have the made movie. a documentary. We 100% if we, would. If we'd, gotten, if we'd gotten one stage further, we would have made a documentary. In fact, no, we did make a documentary about, now, the overall experience. But well, there was a good one on RTE involved, and with the with Northern Ireland as well. So that, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that's an interesting thing, and you can say that's... It's a separate thing. It's not... Like, socio and political... Yeah, and it wasn't vainglorious, sort of, like, well. remembering our incredible yeah. journey to the last 16. It was more, here's what the island experienced during the tournament. However... If we had reached the quarterfinals and if, oh, we had yeah. knocked, if we had knocked out hosts France in the last 16, <laughs> we'd still be watching the documentary. I, I guarantee you. Yeah. So I don't, I, don't blame Wales. I don't blame Wales remotely for making that film. I have to say, like football is an afterthought over there. We had yeah. um, a journalist from Wales Online on with us a couple of months ago who, who was explaining, like, even though they have Bale and they had this incredible run in the Euros, it still plays second fiddle in a, in a huge way to... To Welsh rugby and like I've, I'm currently doing a thing that will be out soon about the the underage structure of Welsh mm. rugby and the money that's been invested in that relative to football even it's insane. So why would you not make a documentary when you're this the, the country's underdogs? You yeah. know. Um, now that being said, we maybe we didn't make a cricket documentary when we beat England. We maybe we should have. 
Did we not know? <laughs> we probably did. <laughs> we probably did. Uh, and nobody That is good for Walters, though. I like that. You see, and the problem with Wales trying to play the underdog thing is that they're playing our game and we've been playing it a lot longer. <laughs> you can't underdog. <laughs> you can't out-underdog the Irish. You'll we've never out-underdog <laughs> the Irish. We've been talking ourselves down for generations. We've been talking out our hoops We're the for masters. years of it. We're the masters of self-deprecation. Yeah. But ironically aren't very good at and the it. thing is with the Welsh there's a little uh, I like the Welsh they're decent they're I decent like the Welsh. they're a decent crowd right mm. but self-deprecation is not something that they're I would say extremely proficient in because no. once they are anyway good at anything they'll let you know about it <laughs> uh, so I don't think I don't think that's the way Wales should be playing this you know nobody believes you Wales yeah, I, I would say Wales are favourites for this game by the way are we are they yeah well, I don't know are they I'm only playing the game <laughs> I mean, look, we have half a team. I mean, I, so we're on the eve of the game. You might be listening. You'd hopefully be listening to this before the game. Otherwise, it's kind of dated and terrible. Uh, my learn interview was pretty good, but uh, not involving either of us. I'd say the, the porch story was good. Uh, that's not what you tuned in for. Uh, are you nervous? Are you kind of excited? Um, I'm kind of nervous. See, the thing excited. is with this, right? I am a little bit nervous. I always am nervous before uh, Ireland games. I only get nervous before Ireland games. I, I've probably fallen out of love a little bit with the TV drama that is the Premier League and, okay. and now I, I pretty much live for international football at the moment right Okay, I'm a little bit nervous but then you look at the table like we've got a four point cushion on these guys and another chance to play them and yeah. I just think that defeat tomorrow as it's not inconceivable firstly but as devastating as it might as it might manifest itself as like You've got another shot at them. You're still going to be ahead of them. I don't think it's a disaster. And it's down to the fact that we've had a really strong start. Mm. Now, I will still go back to Serbia, as I've done in this podcast so many times, and say we yeah. should have had a better start. Yeah. I know that was an appalling performance and a really bad result, despite what it may look like now. You can retrospectively treat it as, oh, point away from home, what a result, and we're top of the table. We should be further on top. And accepting any less than that is pointless. Yeah. But, you know... We can afford to we can afford a draw tomorrow. I certainly would take a draw at this very pre- at this present moment in time because I, I don't think Serbia are going to go on the top of this group. And this if is a draw keeps us four. four occasionally, I get into fits of moralism and like Eamon Dunphy and say, "Look, we're a little country, but we can be just as good as anyone else in the world. We can play football if we want, and we can beat who we want." Mm. And then, oftentimes, I'm like, "Just take a draw, please yeah, take yeah. a draw." Well, the thing is, all I want very, is a draw. Like whatever about Serbia, I think. Any other any other campaign, you look at Serbia and an away draw, and you think, all right, yeah, we take that. And usually, would Serbia are a more technically gifted country with mm. the ball of feet that we are at the moment? But it was just that that Serbia team was an absolute disarray. There was like four thousand fans at the game. They were all going to see like partisan Belgrade basketball team instead of the Serbian national team. They're, they're a joke. So we should have won that game. But now you look at Wales. It's a completely different kettle of fish. It's a country around you know similar size, maybe a smaller playing population they have, but. I just think that two evenly matched teams, and we're four clear of them, a draw at home is not the worst result in mm. the world. I'd sort of view it as the same as the draw at home to Poland we got in the Euros qualifiers, where, yeah, a win would be great, but a draw will keep us nicely in contention. And we still have to play them again in Cardiff, and you never know, maybe you come around to, to Cardiff and whatever stadium it is, I mean, there's talk, it might be the Millennium, depending on how the table is, but... Maybe they're the ones with the injury problems and we go and hit them on a, a smash and grab like we did in Vienna. I just mm. think tomorrow, avoid defeat. Now, Roy Keane, <laughs> in his press conference the other day, was saying, like, if you're, going, if you're thinking like we're going in with the mindset of anything other than we want to win, you're, you're sadly mistaken. But I'm, I'm not saying go in to try and draw the game. I'm saying try and win the game. But if it does transpire that you draw it, 
that's you know, okay. Let's not let's not yeah. weep about it. Yeah, you know? I know. I think we can trust this Irish team, and uh, this is my favorite Irish team in a very long time, by the way. And we're on the cusp of qualifying for consecutive tournaments for only the second time ever. Yeah, well, I mean, well, we've only in our lifetime we've only had. Well, no, it's wrong to say in our lifetime we've only had two good Ireland teams, because obviously we were both alive in '94. But yeah. in our cognitive memory, like for example, we've, we've, really we've had two. Then the, these oh, guys, and these guys, you these know, guys so. are great. So in terms of selection, in terms of the people you may or may not pick, Aid McGeady. McGiddy, I, I would start Aidan McGiddy in current you? form. Now, yeah. me and Mikey were talking about this in Squeaky Balls over the weekend, and both of us, we picked teams independent of each other. We actually ended up both, uh, we both en- ended up leaving him out. Who did you start in the wings? Okay, so I had a 4-3-3 with Whelan in there, Hendrick in there, and David Myler in there, based partly on his Austria performance and mm-hmm. also on his athleticism in the chief kicker of Gareth Bale role. Yeah, and yeah. then Shane Long running the channels eternally uh, with Big John Walters and James McLean either side of him. Okay. And I that feel McGeady's obviously an option from the bench if we need to go chasing something. It would be an option from the bench. I just think... <laughs> To be honest, I've given up on Aidan McGiddy so many times that maybe there's not much credence to what I'm saying. I've probably said before, like, we should not even have him in squads anymore. He, he is literally that bad for Ireland or has been consistently. But, like, this is the form he's in now. Yeah, maybe he is a better option off the bench. I also think, though, like, in the form he's on now, it would be a shame to see him not feature at all. I know, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen him in this form since literally, he, like, I'd since say since he, was, since he was 19 yeah. at Celtic, you know. And uh, I think it's... he. How many times on this podcast have we interviewed former Ireland players or current Ireland players so and many. we've asked them who are the best in training and they all say McGeady, you know? They, he just brings something that you don't expect. The problem is when it, he tries to translate it to the pitch, he does very predictable things and maybe he doesn't quite think outside the box enough. He just tries your sort of standard cut inside or a little... And then hit, uh, the, hit the first man with his cross. Yeah, but in current form, I'd like to see him feature. Um, I'd also love to see Darren Horgan see that? Yeah, we'll pr- I think we'll see Horgan off the bench, you know? Especially, I think, if I, think I, I would say McGeady is far more likely to feature than Horgan. Oh yeah, I, I'd actually be surprised if Horgan came on at all. I actually think we might see him. I just don't think it's going to be the time to to drop him in for like O'Neill is. I wouldn't say he's conservative necessarily, but he's he's not a wild man either. He and does, I just don't think it's the he right. He gives time players to make chances, but does take that little bit extra while to throw them in. Yeah, uh, Harry Arter being the one. Sometimes his injuries have gotten away and things like that. But I mean, Austria was Arter's first competitive game. You know, I know. Still and which is to switch up to that. I just, um, I think the pressure cooker tomorrow. I actually think Horgan would handle it fine. He's proved oh, that of plenty of times. But I just think from O'Neill's perspective, this guy has played you know a handful of games with Preston. I don't think he's, I don't think he's involved yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what it is about about O'Neill's perception of Preston, but like even not having Greg Cunningham in the squad was was bizarre. Yeah, no, that I kind of surprised by that as well. So I, do, I would suggest that he probably doesn't think too much of Preston at the moment, even though that they're flying and they have. Well, the problem with O'Neill went to see Preston. So obviously Roy Keane and Steve Gobby and Steve Walsh, and there's been a few scouts go see Preston most weeks. O'Neill went to see them once in a game against Fulham, in which they were beaten heavily. I'm not even three or four one. And Greg Cunningham started that game at right back because of a bit of an injury crisis uh-huh. and had a bit of a tired time and then switched back to left back for that uh, second half. So maybe that swung when he was thinking a bit. I actually think, yeah. I mean, he's a better option. Matt Doherty's there as well. Matt Doherty won't get in anywhere near that team. Um, but okay, I think that James McLean will score in the first half and I think Gareth Bale will equalise in the second half and we'll finish 1-1 and we'll be angry at ourselves for sitting back and protecting that 1-0 lead but ultimately it's a decent draw and that's what everybody will say in terms like the that's the official line from the squad. How do you see it going? I actually see something very similar panning out. I would say we will be 1-0 up at half-time. I would say Wales will score probably early in the second half. 
my gut inkling is that at that point the game will finish draw but maybe maybe with this Ireland team and it was only your examples earlier that got me thinking about it maybe they have that little bit extra where they can kick on like it's 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 out in the open now that Ireland have this mental deficiency where they sit back when they're leading mm. players have discussed it openly you know some of the key figures in that squad have, have said this is why it happens or this is why I think it happens and we need to change that and if they are progressing under O'Neill and Keane as it seems they are maybe not not, not incredibly quickly but they are yeah uh, maybe they can kick on and, and maybe get a second goal for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a draw, but yeah. I just... Yeah. Come on, Ireland. I'm oh, a little God, bit more hopeful so about this one than I would have been, say, even before the Euros or even directly after the Euros. Even pre-Austria. Austria yeah. felt like a big one. Oh, it was a landmark victory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the stats are there, Gav. Even though nobody seemed to care about <laughs> it on this website when we, uh, <laughs> when we were churning out content. I will be doing that again on Friday. And we will. Okay. Stay tuned. Yes, yes, yes. That's all we've time for, I guess. Yeah. Gav, good to have, good to have you back in New York. Thanks very much. I'd love to say it's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been fun, Gav. We will just run through quickly that competition again. We've got tickets to give away about that very Ireland-Wales game we were discussing there. I'm going to try and get through this without stumbling too much. Uh, all you have to do is subscribe to this Balls of the Football Show or Balls of the Football Podcast, I should say, on iTunes, Stitcher and what have you. Um, also, you need to leave a rating. Like, you know, uh-huh. click the five stars or maybe yeah, click whatever stars you want, but we'd, we'd appreciate five. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. If we see three out of five, we're not, we're not giving you the tickets, so put it that way. Uh, and, uh, and a tiny little comment or review, if you wouldn't mind as well. That's how you enter. Just send us a screenshot at the gaffer at Balls or on social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of lark. I mean, if you want to Snapchat us, we might see it there in about six weeks' time and it'll be too late. Um, a reminder as well that Friends of Football featuring Keith Andrews has, I think, dropped. By the time you listen to this, it yeah, will be Yeah, who's Keith out. Andrews' best friend of football? Jerry Reddy, who of coached course, him. Jerry Reddy. Stella Maris. He's also a scout at Sheffield United Great. now at the moment. They'd, honestly, like, and I know I'm plugging our own podcast here, but like, just I played very little role in this. It was just Keith talking about, like, a lot of it was him talking about the Euros, at the start at least. And just what he said about it was actually kind of eye-opening, you know, okay. in terms of the players' mentality under trap at that time. And really, really good listen. Um, informative, I would say. And that is pretty much it. Uh, our thanks, as always, go to Ladbrokes. Uh, good luck to Ireland tomorrow night. And until next week, uh, take it easy.